Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have with me Kevin Henry of Ignite DA. Kevin, so nice to have you on the show. Kelly, thanks for having me on. It's always great to see you. Uh, Likewise. We last saw each other in Texas. You did. I know in Houston. That was a that was a very interesting event. We we kind of swapped podcasts and uh, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. It was it was a neat booth and got to meet a lot of great people. I, did you stay busy? I did, for sure. You know, I I always love whenever all of us podcasters kind of get together and we learn from each other and feed off each other and you know, a friend of mine has a joke that, you know, at the end of the world, we'll all just be podcasters interviewing each other. And it kind of felt like in Texas there. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, I hadn't heard that one. That's good. But, you know, no, it was it was a great experience. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to see more and more shows do that. So I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, it was it was so much fun and the the stage and the setup and you guys were talking about SmileCon at ADA this past year. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but I was looking at some people's tech and I'm like, I I kind of don't have it going on like yeah. other people do. <laughs> I, I had envy. Let's just say that I did. I had tech envy for sure. So, uh, you know, because I just show up with my microphone. I'm like, hey, let's talk. But uh, there's some people who took it next level for sure. Yeah, you can definitely be a roaming podcaster and just be like, so tell us what you think. Exactly. You know, the man on the street. Hey, I'm down with that. Yeah, we could just, we should just ask if random questions like, how many teeth do you have? You know, we should do that <laughs> next time. <laughs> All right. So now we have something to do next time we're together. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, Kevin, I always start with, um, you know, why dentistry? Why did you choose the profession of dentistry and Ignite DA? So, dental assistants, tell us that story. Gosh. All right. So um, back in 19, you know, and and I'm going to really blow some people away because we're talking about another century now. Uh, But back in 1998, I was the uh, public relations director for a small college sports organization, uh, the NAIA. It was based in Tulsa. And that was my dream job. I loved it. Uh, I was going to ESPN and USA Today to promote our athletes and all the great things they were doing at these small schools that so many people have never heard of before. And I loved it. Uh, and one day the boss walked into my office and said, we are moving to Kansas City because we feel like we need to be in a major market uh, and we'd love for you to come along. Uh, but I, I had to turn them down because at the time my daughter was three months old and I knew my parents would not have any part of me moving their only granddaughter away from them. So 
Uh, I decided to stay in Tulsa, and I was blessed beyond measure that dental economics is based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so they needed a managing editor, and I applied thinking I will do this until something better comes along. Uh, and and sure enough, uh, you know, 20 plus years later, uh, here I am still in the dental industry that's just amazing. And I've met so many amazing people like you throughout the years and, and just so lucky to be a part of this. So you went from sports to dentistry. I did. And I still I still uh, dip my toe in the water. You know, if you follow me on Twitter or any social media, you'll see that I uh, I still cover baseball. I still write baseball. I still I still have my. Uh, I had my dentistry hat and my sports hat, but uh, it was it was quite a transition at the very start. But I was I was very lucky. Uh, Dr. Joe Blaze was the editor of Dental Economics at the time, and Joe was a guy that uh, I asked him a lot of dumb questions looking back. But he was also a guy that was very kind enough to say, "Okay, that's this is what that term means, and this is how we should talk about it." And so uh, there have been so many people like that who have kind of taken me under their wing and helped me get indoctrinated into this industry for sure. Well, you have to ask questions. I mean, it's a whole different industry. I, I, I learned very quickly that if I didn't, I was going to be in trouble. So, so I was very glad that people uh, were, were kind enough to answer them. And you know, and then you ask why dental assistance. I dental economics and RDH magazine are sister publications, and I was lucky enough to work on RDH uh, during the time as well. But I noticed that there was nothing for assistance that we were doing at Penwell, which was the corporate brand that had both those magazines. So I asked our, <clears throat> excuse me, I asked our group publisher if we could start something for dental assistance. And we started a weekly e-newsletter way back in the day, whenever e-anything seemed a little right. crazy. Uh, but, but Dental Assisting Digest was something that I was, I was lucky enough to start and, and see through for, for a decade. And, and it really made me feel good to know that the assistants would have some kind of something that was geared toward them and some of the issues that they were going through. Absolutely. That's, um, and it's so needed. All all of it's so needed because we feel like we're connected and there's like a unity of community and that there's more people out there who may be experiencing what we're experiencing. So you feel like you have a common bond with people, with public, even just publications like that. I agreed. And, and I think so often... You know the the dental system may be a little bit overlooked in some things, and so uh, I've I grew up a Chicago Cubs fan. I grew up a, a fan of the underdog, and and so whenever I really learned how amazing assistants are and all the things that they do, and yet don't often get the credit for that, I was immediately like latched on to all right, how can we build this profession up, and how can we really make them uh, seen as the force that they are out there. Absolutely. I mean, they're the glue in so many instances that keep it together for us. And, and it's been something that I've seen, you know, just like you have. Uh, so many things have changed through the years, through all the technology that's come into the industry and all the different uh, opportunities that are there. So I'm still out there banging the drum today to see how we can make sure that these assistants, no matter what state they're in, are doing as much as they can to actually impact the bottom line of the practice. What's, is there like one thing that they, that you kind of hear consistently that they wish that they could do? I think, I think the one thing that they would really like to be able to do is they look at states like Minnesota and Washington. You know, every state has different requirements for assistance. Every state uh, assistance can do certain things or not. And there's a lot of states where they are free to really do a lot more clinically than in other states. In my old home state of Oklahoma, uh, they're very restricted on what they can do. 
So I think more assistants would love to be more clinicians, you know, and, and I know that that is a, that's a red flag for a lot of people, but I think if we could really figure out a way to have assistants be more clinically trained to do the most in the practice, it would really benefit dental practices and this whole shortage that we always hear about, about uh, dental practices and dental uh, need out there all over the country. Yeah, there, there's a shortage of everything, right? Every, the human capital, I think. And I agree with you, Kevin, it's, and it doesn't, I'm guessing I'm not against dental. I I am totally for dental assistants. They are are highly competent. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't have done my job as a dental hygienist without them. And also too, I think in that, that they get rewarded and compensated and differently that goes along with that training and that recognition. Very much so. You know, in the, in the deep South there, it's, it's barely above minimum wage, what they make in the practice. And, and again, there's a lot of restrictive things in several states that don't allow them to produce, don't allow them to impact the bottom line as much as they do in other parts of the country. And so, you know, I, I always joke with, uh, with my friends at Danby and, and some of the other places that, you know, hopefully before I leave this earth, I'll see a little more, uh, you know, uh, leveling up of the playing field all over the country in all 50 states. And I think what I hear too from hygienists, I'm in Virginia and it's not that in a lot of instances, it's not that we, that we as, as hygienists don't want to allow it or, or whatever, we're getting into a hot topic here. It's just with training, right? Like give like some kind of standard for what it is that, that everybody knows how to do. So everybody feels comfortable with it and knows that when an assistant or basically anybody who's using instruments, who's doing things with the patient intraorally clinically, that there's a standard of what it is and how they're doing it. Could not agree more. And I, and I think that's something that if you're in Virginia, if you're in Colorado, you know, wherever you are, that if an assistant comes in and he or she has been trained in another part of the country, you still have that confidence that those skills were learned. And that it's something, of course, we're all believers and do no harm. So they have the skills, they have the capabilities to do that. And, and, and I think you're right. If there was some leveling of the playing field where everybody knew what the skills were, it would be so much better. Yes. And, and you know exactly. It's no different than in any other procedure where, they, where it is delegated to the assistant. Assistant knows that doctor gets up, what's next with, with the materials that go on, all the preps and all the magic they do in there. It's, it's the handoff. It's the handoff that happens with them. And it would be no different than that. And I know in Virginia, one of the things that just recently passed is a certification for, for um for infection control for dental assistants, because not everybody enters into the profession in the same way. So I think that that's a, it's a step in the right direction for kind of to model what that educational entry point is for something. I think it's seeing a need and seeing how could that be met by what we already have uh, in the industry. You know, like you said, we're all the human capital shortage right now. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, there is the human capital shortage right now. And so what do we do with, with the resources we have rather than trying to pull other people in from other industries? Because there's there are many talented folks who are in the industry who are just, who are talented, but they feel like they're underutilized. They feel like they're burnt out. And so by allowing them to do, or, or to encourage them to do more in the area that they want within their scope, of course, and looking at all of those things, it could encourage those, those team members to stay where they are and not go outside of the field to do something else. 
it's about empowerment and I'm so sorry if my voice, uh, it's about empowerment and it's about making sure that they understand that you believe in them, you can give them the training. And then once you have the training that you're not micromanaging them, that you're actually letting them run with the ball. 100%. It's the, I think too, it's the appreciation for what they're bringing and the validation that we do need you like authentically, like you are needed. Like I, and you know, in hygiene, I'm getting ready to offer a course in March about the assisted hygiene model. And there's, there's different flavors of how you can do that, but sure. that assistant is critical to, to not just doctor side, but for hygiene to keep it, keep it going, keep it together for all of us. Well, and, I, and you hit on something a minute ago. A lot of it is your attitude as well as the hygienist. You know, you were saying how you're not worried about it and you're, you know, you don't have that mentality, but we know it's out there. And so I think that's one thing that we've got to work on is making sure that the mentality and the practice is that everybody is viewed as an important team member. Everybody has their own roles. And certainly if there's roles where we can work together to not only boost the bottom line, but also impact our patients in a greater way. I, I don't see where that's a problem. I don't see where there's an issue there. Yeah, I think that if I think a great practice across the board is when you shadow somebody else for a day and you see what they actually do, it builds that appreciation for things that you're just like, I had no idea that that is going on, that they that they hold us together like that. And and one thing that I've seen, and, and you've probably seen this as well, is that, you know, dental assistants are very much interested in becoming hygienists. They're very much interested in maybe transitioning to the front desk. And so I think that's something that dental practices have to be aware of as well, is that why, while we would always love our assistants to stay as assistants, we also want to try to keep them in the practice. And that may mean them transitioning into another role and, and certainly encouraging them to do that as well as, again, what training, how can we support you, you know, making sure that everybody's walking down the same path together. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's, I think where it starts to is learning what lights people up. Like, Kevin, yeah. what do you love to do? Tell me more about that. Tell me, because there's things that you love to do that I don't want to touch. I have no interest in. It's not, <laughs> it's not my zone of genius. I'm like, here, you do that. That's cool. <laughs> you know, and infection control is, a you know, you mentioned that a minute ago. I think the infection control coordinator and that whole rise of that uh, particular job description, I think that's something a lot of dental assistants actually get into and actually enjoy. And so, again, is it something that you as a hygienist or the doc certainly doesn't want to handle that? So find somebody who really has that passion for it. Ask them about their passions. But then I don't think it's too much to have. And I always encourage my assistants, ask those return questions as well. You know, it can't just be a one-way street about what excites you. You have to know what it is that excites your fellow team members as well, because that's where you really start building that foundation for good relationships in the practice. Yes. And then nurturing that. And, and when you recognize that perhaps there's Okay, you get we all know when we get bored or frustrated in the office or we're just like hitting a wall like, okay, I get I get to do this again. And we all kind of recognize it and that that in each other to say, Hey, have you ever, is this what you want to do? Like to have that advocate in the practice to say, is this is it it seems like that maybe you want to try something different? Have you ever thought of asking so-and-so at you know the treatment plan coordinator to learn more about their position? Oh, okay. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And, and I think that that's really important to then have that freedom that you feel comfortable asking the treatment coordinator about something, you know, and that, sure. that he or she won't feel threatened, you know? So yeah. I, I think that that's the thing that we have to make sure of in the practice is that there's always room for growth and there's always new opportunities for everybody to try to work together without feeling like, Oh, you're stepping on my turf. Now you need to back off a little bit. It's, and I think it starts with the culture of the oh, yes. office and how people are hired in and what doctor is setting or practice is setting as, okay, here is how we do, you know, this is how we act. This is how we are towards each other. And if, if this isn't in this way, then it's really not for us because it's all of us are going to be sick at some point. And how, what a great thing to know that if I know that I'm sick or I have to be at home with my child, whatever, or have to be out for some reason, that I have someone else who I know at least a little bit of what I do that can assist and support me. Absolutely. And again, that you can actually unplug and you can focus on your child or focus on your own health and that you trust that that person that you've brought in that you've trained, that you've allowed to be trained, you know, can really can really do the things that you expect them to do. Kevin, why do you think that people won't put you on the spot, maybe, but why do you think that people get like so um, guarded about letting other people into their positions? What's your take on that? I think I think now my take is, and obviously I want to hear yours too. <laughs> my take is that we've all got these little cubes that we live in, and that, that these little things that there are things that you know, Kelly, if I ask you, what do you do better than anybody else? You know, that you'd have one or two things that you could say. And same thing for me. And I think that anytime we feel like somebody treads on that or breaks into that little cube, then all of a sudden we get real defensive. And and that's something that I, I can tell you, I, I have issues with sometimes too. But I think that we've got to look at what is the greater good and what is coming of this if somebody is actually taking on one or two of your responsibilities. You know, especially in a, in a dental setting where you may be short staffed already and everybody's trying to do different things to fill those holes. Uh, you know, sometimes you're going to have to let go a little bit. I feel like the more we're that we are cross trained, the better it is for everyone and the patient because okay. there's continuity of care all throughout because you know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly to, to different levels, not just the surface level stuff, but also the intricacies of what's involved in, okay, what happened, for example, in hygiene, we're going to do same day care. Well, did I know the ripple effect that happens from that? Like treatment right. plan coordinator has to check insurance, has to come in, has to get patient this, sign this, uh, a room has to be set up. Are the instruments ready? Is a room available? Who am I talking to to understand all that? <laughs> that there is a true ripple effect. And everybody has to be on the same page. And I think that's what has to be communicated. You mentioned culture a minute ago. It's got to be a culture of openness that this is why we're doing this. This is why this is how all the puzzle pieces fit together, including your puzzle piece and the one that you're really responsible for. And I wonder too, like when you're, do you get to interview a lot of dental assistants or how do, how is it that you interact? You're, you're talking, you're talking to many of them, you're interviewing, yeah. they're writing for you. And so other than having more clinical responsibility, is there something else that they wish they could ask of the office? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot in there, honestly. I, I just did a program 
um, recently at one of the meetings about uh, the the pitfalls of the dentist assistant relationship. And there's a point in there where I give my phone number out and I let people text me some of the things that are hindering them in their relationship in the practice. And <clears throat> some of the biggest things that I hear from dental assistants are uh, not being able to, well, micromanaging and not being able to do the things that they've actually been trained to do without somebody saying, oh, you really should be doing it this way and trying to kind of shift that off a little bit. But I think that there's really, um, in some views, a lack of a lack of respect. Uh, there's, a, there's a lack of mutual respect in the practice where things are viewed on a totem pole almost, where that's the bottom rung of the ladder, the low man, or whatever uh, analogy you want to use. And I think that we've got to try to flip that totem pole a little bit where it's more horizontal instead of vertical and make sure that everybody understands the role that they play. But assistants so often, I think they want to know how they fit in you know, it may sound silly, but what's expected of them, you know, um, you know, sure, we know on the surface what might be, but there's a lot more that goes into every day than that. And what are the opportunities for them to get better between now and the end of the year, between now and a year from now? And that's no different than any other person in the team. We want to know what sets, when I just, when I start a job, I'm like, okay, what does success look like at the yes. end of 90 days? Yes. Like, what, and what's first? <laughs> And I think that we've got to do, you know, things like, and I know not every practice does a morning huddle, but I think little things like that, where what's expected of the day, what's coming that week, you know, how are monthly goals being met? Are you behind? If so, what can be done to catch up? You know, little things like that. And then having those points along the year where you're talking about, hey, you're doing this great. Here's something you could be doing better. How can we make that happen for you? How can we work on that together? You know, little things like that where they realize they're being seen as well as that there's a plan for them to actually grow in their career. That'll go miles for a dental assistant. Like you said, I think really a team member that could apply to as well. For, for sure. It's, you know, setting up the, setting them up for success with here's, here's what's I mean, not expected. That's not what I mean like that, but here's the roles, responsibilities. Let us know how we can support you. Yes. Um, if And the person also has to be open to hearing if there is improvement, no matter who we are. Like, if you need to say something to me, I need to make sure that I'm maintaining open mind mindset of being able to receive that and that which is part of the culture. And then how do I perform really well? And then how do I know when I get feedback too? And what does that look like? And how do yeah. you do that based on what I prefer as a communication style? <laughs> oh, the, the, that's a whole different conversation. Absolutely. You know, but, but it is something that if, if you give me feedback, if you expect me to do something, then it's got to go a little bit further. It has to be, you know, and in three months, we're going to see where we're going. And it's not like it's a, I'm looking over your shoulder and make sure you're doing things right. But it's that you could know that in three months, something should have changed. Mm -hmm. And so how did it really change? What impact did it have? You know, were there hiccups that shouldn't have been there? You know, little things like that, that we can really talk about and make sure that three months from now, things are better than they are right now, even if things are going exceptionally well. It really, what we're talking about, Kevin, it comes down to communication. How we're communicating, communicating expectations, how we're talking to each other and appreciating each other, how we're saying that was, you did a great job today. Holy, holy camoli. That was amazing. And I just verbalizing that and 
having people feel understood and validated and knowing too that, you know, next time I sometimes when I know that I would observe something when I'm when I'm in a clinical setting, I would say, you know what I saw with so and so that there was they reacted a certain way. You handled that really well. Some things that I do in that instance is I will say this or, and so I give them an example of what it sounds like when I say it and people sort of get that narrative in their head and they're like, oh, okay, well, that's a, that's a different way to say it or approach it. And so it gives them a different way to kind of ease into the conversation. Yeah. And, and to be free to have that conversation mm-hmm. and to be free that whatever is said in there, it's not like something that gets brought up a week later in a very derogatory way, that there's a freedom to say, I think there's an idea to do something better. And everybody kind of pitches in and makes sure that it really is done better. And everybody adopts that mentality. You know, it it goes back to culture. It goes back to communication. And I know that sometimes those are things that uh, we see people roll their eyes about whenever we talk about them in lectures. But they're so valuable, uh, especially in today's dental environment. It it really is because it it's people issues and and opportunities even with not just among with the team it's how we're using that same communication to connect with the patients to help them connect with their overall health it's the whole it's the whole thing that's why we're in this as people and if you if your communication is bad I mean it's like if you I saw this it was by I think it was um, something that John Maxwell put up put out um, on his social media. He said, if it's, if you wink to a girl in a dark room and she never sees you wink, does it really matter that you winked? (laughs) And it's no, you have to communicate it in the right way. So the other person receives it. Yeah. And you, you touched on communication styles that how does that person receive that communication? How do you feel most comfortable doing that? And that's, that's a, that's a struggle for a lot of dental practices and a lot of dental people in our industry. But it is something that I think that is so vital in today's society. Whenever we have dental assistants and we have, you know, other team members who are looking at, gosh, this practice over here is offering me $5 more an hour. You know, that really sounds good. What is it that really is going to anchor them to where you are and make sure that they stay as a part of your team? Yes. And I think, what if we lived in a world where... I work with you, you work with me. We all, you know, we're all working together in dental office. And you say, Kelly, this is something that I saw today that we can improve upon. And I actually, if I didn't like the way that you said that, I could say, Kevin, I really didn't like the way that you said that to me. And it what would be better, what would be better is if you said it like this and in this tone and you and you didn't do this. And you said, Oh, okay. I'll try that next time. Thank you for letting me know. What would the world be like if we were all master communicators? Yes. Would that be wonderful? You know, <laughs> yeah. I would have to have the guts to do that. You'd have to have the uh, you know patience to actually say, "Oh, okay, well, I'll change my tone." Oh, it'd be a it'd be a perfect world. We'd have flying cars by now if that happened. I'm telling you. So I, I know, and then people would stay. People yeah. would stay. But I mean, what would it be like if everyone just when they're hired or a part of the culture, that that's what it was like. Of course, these these conversations wouldn't happen in front of patients. They would be at the appropriate time. But you could literally feel safe and like it was an open space to 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 ask for what you needed to understand what the other people tr- other person truly wanted to be able to make the change. Because sometimes people come, you feel like people coming at you, and you shut down, and you're like, I don't care what they're saying. Just get me out of this room. When we feel understood, 
it's a game changer. I mean, you know, personally, professionally, whatever. And, and it goes back to what you asked me at the very start. Some of the things that I'm hearing from assistants, they want to be understood. They want to be heard. They want to feel like they matter. You know, the things that are kind of at the core of so a lot of our human needs, uh, that, that's what I hear so often. And so, yeah, that's why I'm still out there speaking to them, trying to let them know. There are people that, you know, there are practices out there that hear you. And again, not not every practice is bad. Not every practice has this dark cloud hanging over. And I hear so often about amazing cultures and amazing practices, but there are those out there that still have some work to do. And those are the ones that should be worried about, you know, is their team really going to stick together? Yeah. And, and have them stay. And what would it be like if doctor or office manager says, when they're hiring, we want to know like when when we're not doing things right. We want to know how we can support you better. And that includes communication. What would it be like? It, it would open up a whole new world. And, you know, I know not every human feels comfortable enough saying when something's wrong. You know, a lot of times we'll internalize things. But at the same time, just to know that, that opportunity was there, it's a game changer. No doubt yeah. about it. To feel safe. To feel safe. Yes. And have that, have courageous conversations to be able to improve what it is. The reason why we all show up every day and we continue to, no matter where you work, you know, if it's $5 more down the street, if I love where I work, I'm probably not going to leave for $5 more down the street. Absolutely. You know, if you feel like you matter, if you feel like you're being heard, if you feel like you're respected, if you feel like that you're safe, which I love that word, but you feel like all those things. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money they're going to throw at you. You've got what you need right there. And that's the key. Yeah. Cause the grass is not greener. Sometimes it's AstroTurf, you know, just tell me. There comes your baseball reference. Kevin. Exactly. Sometimes it is. Just that works. That works. I see how it works. Kevin, thank you so much for being on with me yeah. today. How did people reach out to you if they want, that they want more Kevin and Ignite DA? Absolutely. We'd love to have you follow us on Instagram at Ignite Dental Assistance. That's all one word. Uh, certainly, you can reach out to me. My email address is kevin.henry at igniteda.net. And certainly, there's a lot of things that we have out there for assistance. If you're somebody who needs to inspire an assistant or you're looking for, or if you're an assistant who's looking for that spark, we're happy to help you in any way that we can. Awesome. And then I think I also saw a book. Oh, right? yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the lectures that I've, I've been fortunate enough to do for years is called Battling and Beating the Demons of Dental Assisting. And, and uh, I've, I've made it into a book format. So it's something that's available for any dental assistant out there. So you can find it on Amazon, Battling and Beating the Demons of Dental Assisting. Wow, that's cool. And then we'll put that, we'll drop that in the show notes too. So you guys know where to find it. That's that's great information. I think it takes all of us from different perspectives to be heard because um, it it just does. It's and so thank you what for what you're doing to empower the dental assistants because we you know we we all need each other to serve. I agree. That's now why we're here. You know, I I reference a puzzle so often whenever I'm talking, and I'm telling you, if one piece is missing, you can't complete the puzzle. And so I. I think that that's really important for us to always remember in today's dental environment. Yeah. And any environment. Absolutely. Right. Well, thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time today and being on the show. Appreciate you and all that you do. Always great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, everyone. Listeners, thank you for listening today. If you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, you know what I'm going to ask. If you go onto Apple Podcast and give us a five-star rating, five-star, and then follow us over on YouTube as well. Like and subscribe and share if you'd like. Take care. Thanks for all that, every, everything that you're doing. Stay out of trouble.